Hello and welcome. This is Diane Lake, your host, and I'm going to be sharing how you can understand and apply the prophetic through practical terms, practical ways, and practical means that make it relevant to everyday life so that you can prepare the way for the Lord's purposes to manifest in the earth. This is Preparing the Way, That Practical Prophetic. Hello guys, welcome to episode 12 titled, What's Your Happiness Factor? Today we're going to take a look at the question of, what does it really take for man to be happy? I found that the interesting thing about happiness is, just when you've got the thing that you thought would make you happy, suddenly it doesn't make you happy anymore. This was not the direction I was expecting to take for today's podcast, but I was thinking that what the Lord wants us to look at is, is our happiness factor a constant or is it going to change? The winds of change are blowing. I'm hearing it over and over again. If circumstances in our life change, for better or for worse, is it going to affect our happiness or have we based it on something that's constant and will not change? Most of us are aware of the well-known phrase in the United States Declaration of Independence, which refers to the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, is what I wanted to say. The pursuit of happiness, right? Meaning happiness is not a guarantee in life. Not for anyone. Not for believers either. So we're going to talk about that some more. But before I get into that, I want to get just a little bit more personal with you about these podcast episodes. So let me just say... I pour a lot into these podcasts. You get a piece of me. And I want you to get back to me with feedback. I want to know what you're thinking and feeling as you listen to these podcasts. I mean, if you're a regular listener, you know a lot more about me than almost anyone else does, except for maybe my own immediate family. So tell me, do you want more podcasts? Do you want less podcasts? Just drop me a line uh, and let me know what you're thinking and you can be reaching us at info at starfireministries.org. I'm say that again. The email address is info at starfireministries.org. I definitely read all my emails, and I will take your input into account. And you can always give me questions, too. Ask me any questions, and if I see a theme or if the Lord put, puts his finger on something, I think I told you this before, I'll talk about it in a podcast, and I'll even reference your emails. So in this week's podcast, I want to look a little more closely at the interactive nature of our faith. We've talked about this before, especially in episode 10, which was the coming wave of glory. We talked about how God wants us to participate in that coming wave of glory, remember? He doesn't want to just drop that on us. He wants us to ask Him if He will use us. Remember I said, in Matthew 7, 7-12, that we are to ask and seek and knock, so that he will open the door to us. James 4, 8 tells us that we are to draw to near, draw near to God, excuse me, so that he will draw near to us. And in Matthew 6, 8, I talked about how he said that he knows what we need before we ask for it. But then immediately after that, he instructs us to pray like this and gives us the Lord's Prayer. So here's the thing. When he answers a prayer that we've been praying about for a long time, it feels really satisfying, doesn't it? Like we've participated in something. Like we're not just inanimate objects upon whom he just imposes whatever he wants, right? I mean, haven't you gotten all excited about an answered prayer before? I certainly do. I do it all the time. 
Whereas if he had just given it to you, would you feel that sense of satisfaction and excitement? I don't think you would. And he knows that. So here's a verse of mine that's a favorite. And I quote it a lot, but there's so many nuggets in it. And it's important for today's message too, I think. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And actually I'm going to read 11 to 14. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, Then you will call upon me. Because remember, they were in captivity at the time of this. We need to know the context. So that's why he said in verse 12, Then you will call upon me, because they need him. They're in captivity. You will go to me and pray, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me, with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, when you search for me with all your heart. So see, there's this interactive thing in the realm of the spirit and God wants you to participate. And that's true of your happiness factor too. So I'll keep explaining as we go about that. So it's like that when we press into the Lord, like I said, he wants us to seek him so that when we truly find him, it will be like the most precious treasure in the universe that we cannot let go of. When we find that place, then we find happiness. All right, And I'm speaking from experience. I've shared my testimony with you in episode one. You can go back and listen to that if you haven't uh, already heard it. I was truly miserable. Now keep in mind, in my early 40s at the time when I was talking about my story, I was a believer. I was saved at age 10 and I was miserable. As a believer, I was miserable. I did not have a close and connected relation with the Lord, relationship with the Lord. He felt very, very far away, very distant, very disinterested in me. These are things I had to reformulate in my mind as I went along. We've talked about some of these things that we have to, to reformulate mindsets, get deliverance, break generational curses, those kinds of things. That's part of going forward. But also, what I want to talk about is that God cares about you. He's not distant. He's, he's not indifferent to you. He wants to be present in your life, and he wants you to pursue him because in that pursuit you will find happiness. So as part of my testimony, back in those days when I was miserable, I can clearly picture on a number of occasions, I even know where we were sitting. My husband and I would be sitting kind of across from each other in our little sitting area. And he would say to me in so much earnestness, he was so sincere. He would ask me, what would it take to make you happy? And I would look at him and I would say, I don't know. I don't know what I want because I was so miserable and yet I had it all. I really did. I had a good husband. I had great kids. I had a beautiful house, enough money that I could choose whether I wanted to work full-time, part-time, stay at home, start a business. I mean, honestly, I had everything. You could say I had the American dream and I was miserable. And I was a believer. I was a Christian, okay? So this is important to understand because I know a lot of believers that are, are Christians, believers, whatever you want to call them, that are like I was. They're not really happy, okay? So just because you're a Christian and you're going to heaven, it doesn't mean it's automatic, right? So in my opinion, the first step to me becoming truly happy was to understand 
that God needed me to take the first step towards truly becoming close to him. And he wants you to do that too. I began to press into him and I wouldn't let go. It's like I saw a glimpse. Go back and listen to my testimony. He revealed himself to me. I saw a glimpse of his power, his love, his, I don't know. He just, he just blew my mind. It was fascinating when I began to truly see the Lord after already being a believer for 30 plus years. And I could not stop pursuing him. And as I did that, there was a satisfaction that came with it that is a necessary ingredient for happiness. Did you, kept that? Did you catch what I just said? He wants you to pursue him because of the interactive nature of our faith. You will become invested in the relationship between you and God. And there's a satisfaction that comes with that which is necessary to find true happiness. Because if you are dissatisfied, you are not happy. Do you understand? <laughs> so hopefully this is making sense. Now we can learn a lot from the book of Ecclesiastics. Traditionally, this book has it's been thought to be authored by Solomon. We all know Solomon didn't lack for wealth or anything like that. He was a king, of course, at the top of the the epic top of whatever it was. Like the if he wanted to be anybody and be the top of the pile, it was Solomon, right? No one was greater at that time than he was. The theme of, of this book by Solomon of Ecclesiastic could be summed up as, by saying this, it's futile and empty to try to be happy apart from anything other than God. And what I love about Ecclesiastics is that it's very practical. It's a book about practical wisdom, kind of like Proverbs, but in a different way. And I gravitate to the practical. Remember, this is our prophetic show name, Preparing the Way the practical prophetic. I like nuts and bolts. I like to know how things work. I like the real deal. Like nothing that I can't put my hands on, I want to know. How do I make my faith work? Does that make sense? So from Ecclesiastics, we know, is it knowledge or wisdom that's going to make us happy? Nope. In one eighteen of Ecclesiastics, it says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases in knowledge increases in sorrow. So is it pleasure that makes us happy? No, again, Ecclesiastes 2, 10 to 11 says, Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. And as I looked on all the works that my hands had done, indeed, all was vanity. It was like grasping for the wind. <laughs> you could get depressed if you read Ecclesiastes and don't understand that you got to read to the end, okay? <laughs> it keeps saying everything is vanity. Everything is like grasping the wind. So is it hard work that makes us happy? Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, I saw that for all the toil and every skillful work that a man does, he is only envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Is it popularity or power? No, we know it isn't. Ecclesiastes 4.4-16. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Paraphrase just a bit. It says that there is a youth who could rise up from poverty and succeed. He might even become the king even though he has been a thug. He's been in prison, let's say. But then everyone rushes to the side of yet another youth who will replace him. Endless crowds surround him, but then another generation grows up and rejects him too. So it's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. Is it gain or honor? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. 
This also is vanity. And 6.10 said, God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they will lack nothing. They have their heart's desire. But then God does not grant them the ability to enjoy it, and the strangers enjoy it instead. So again, you could get depressed by this, but you got to read to the end of the book. The summary of Ecclesiastes you could find in the cha- in that chapter 12, especially the last couple of verses. Verses 13 and 14 say, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I like it when it all boils down to one thing. Do you? It feels like I can... Uh, put my hands on it then. There's another verse I really, really love that does this too. Micah 6, 8. But let's read Micah 6, 6 to 8, because it's like you could try in so many ways to please God, to find the happiness, but it's it's very simple. I like simple things. Micah 6, 6 to 8 says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow, bow myself before the high God? Shall I come with him to him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the year... Well, excuse me, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And here's verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. That's it. That's all you need to do. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Yay! I love simple things. (laughs) So recently I watched a documentary. I think it was written in 2010, produced in 2010. It was called Happy People, A Year in the Taiga. Might not pronounce that right, but the Taiga is the wilderness of Siberia. So basically it's this huge landmass area. I guess it's about one and a half times the United States as far as size. And this documentary focuses particularly on the Russians who, in this area, hunt for fur animals in the winter season. So it takes you through kind of this year of a life cycle in their hunting, trapping, uh, life, manner, style. And they have to deal with all these super cold temperatures. I mean, you know, winters there are below 50 below, worse than that. And, of course, very geographically isolated. There's one village, I guess, of about 300 people right in the center of Siberia. But you can only get to it either by helicopter or about two months out of the year. You can go in and out by boat because that's the only time there's no ice on the river, right? So the title comes from the reason they titled it Happy People. They get to this one part where they explain it. And it's when these fur trappers head out into the wilderness for their winter trapping rounds because they go out like in fall sometime before it ices over early fall, and they're really not back until spring. Uh, That's the time in their life when they are truly happy. They're free from government oversight, rules, taxes, anybody telling them what to do. They're completely self-reliant and accountable to no one but themselves. That is their place of happiness. That's their happiness factor. So I want to think about it, you and I. I want to give you a bit of a homework assignment today. I want you to ask yourself, if you would, am I truly happy today? Am I happy now with my life? And if I'm not, what steps do I need to take to change that? 
Remember, Ecclesiastes, and well, and even our own wisdom and our practical life experience, makes it very plain that it's not things like wealth and fame and power and possessions that truly make us happy. And I feel like the Lord wants us to take a hard look at ourselves because, like I said, the winds of change are truly blowing. I'm hearing like never before that change is coming. So we need to be thinking, if my circumstances and my position and my wealth or even my health or what if it's my family, whatever it is, if it's not what it is that it is today, if I were to lose anything, would I still be happy? Because if not, then maybe we need to reevaluate where we're at and what we're basing our notion of happiness upon. So you know how roller coasters are. They're up one minute and they're down the next. Life can be like that. You know that. Circumstances and situations can be exactly like that. And even our emotions can be up one minute and down the next. But God doesn't want your happiness factor to be like that. He wants you to have a happiness factor that is constant and isn't up one minute and down the next. Now keep in mind, he teaches me right along with you. He makes me live it. He keeps me honest. So when I do a podcast episode like this, please don't think I already have it all figured out. I'm human. I'm just like you. And I'll be doing this homework assignment too. There's never anything that I present to you, I teach to you, I talk to you about that he hasn't either walked me through already or he's even still teaching me more than I thought that I could possibly know about the subject. I mean, every time I do a podcast episode, even if it's a subject I've taught on many times before, I always learn something. He always takes me farther, and I have to live it to some degree before I can teach it. So anyway, I just wanted you to know that. And I want you to remember, keep in mind, to visit our website at info at starfireministries.org. That's our email address for questions, for comments, for feedback. And you can sign up for our newsletter there. I keep reminding you to do that too. And I just want you to feel interactive, okay? Now, we've been talking about how our relationship with God is interactive, our faith is interactive. He does that with us because he wants you to feel invested. And I want you to feel invested in these podcasts too because I pour a lot of myself into it. And I would love to hear your feedback and hear whether you're uh, enjoying them or what you would like me to do different or, you know, whatever. So keep it in mind. And I want to just say I love you, bless you, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your positive review helps the show reach more people with our message. And please visit our website at www.starfireministries.org where you can donate, read our latest articles, and keep up to date with us on all of our social media sites. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.